What is up, everybody? Welcome to Not a Real Veteran. We have a very exciting show for you with Mr. Shannon Bray out of North Carolina. And uh, if you've already seen him on Not a Real Libertarian, you know a lot about him, but we wanted to have him back because he was such a great guest and he's a veteran. We've got a lot of things to talk about in the veteran world this week with everything going on in Afghanistan. So it should be an awesome show. But before we get to that, let's do some good old ad reads. The first one and the most prized of them all, of course, The Royal Green. Please get this book. Please buy this book. Go to theroyalgreen.com, Kindle or paperback. Jack Casey is brilliant. He's an extremely good author. I'm a chapter in and I love it. It's a great story so far. So please go ahead and purchase The Royal Green and give it a shot. It's a libertarian themed book. We need more art like this in the world. So please support him and support libertarianism. Next, we have the Tennessee Radical Caucus. Please look them up. Give them a follow. Give them a like. If you're into the Radical Caucus agenda, join them. Their platform is radical. They're pretty much some of the purest libertarians out there. So look them up. Give them a follow. And we have TomFor52.com, Mr. Thomas Queter for Senate out of New York. Awesome guy. Please look him up and donate to his campaign. If you want to follow him, look him up on Facebook. And he is always willing to talk on Clubhouse and uh, always has some funny stuff to say. So without further ado, something very exciting and different about tonight. Mr. Braxton Voorhees has all the tech issues worked out, we think. Without further ado. Welcome, brother. Hey, man. I am afraid that you spoke too soon. Don't put that on me. Seriously, I should not have jinxed it. But everything sounds good so far. So, you know, you've been on three shows, but I feel like this is going to be your first real official show since we can actually see your face oh fuck you all right shouldn't have said that either but anyway guys we're excited we got a lot of things to talk about so i'm going to bring our guest star on today (coughs) mr shannon bray not shannon bray hey guys how are you doing today doing good man thanks for being on Oh, absolutely. Uh, I love the platform, and I had a great time uh, a couple weeks ago, so I'm looking forward. Heck yeah. Looking forward to talking more. So let's start on a positive note. Um, A little about you and the campaign, because there's a lot of veterans who are watching this. We streamed the Veterans (coughs) Caucus, and we want them to hear about you and what you're going to do for North Carolina, and that's what's most important. Well, um, I'm, I'm an active candidate in the 2022 election for the, um, the North Carolina seat that Richard Burr is currently filling, he's going to step aside. So it's kind of a vacancy. Uh, I think as of right now, there's 30 other people looking to, to fill the seat, you know, mostly Republican because we're in a Republican led state, but there's quite a bit of Democrats. Uh, I'm the only libertarian uh, running, at least for right now. Um, I've always been open though um, to, to take on challengers because I actually feel that that's where, we will, we blossom more. It's early on in the election cycle where you have all of these ideas and everyone's inviting all the candidates out and stuff. And you really kind of get an idea of who everyone is. And then it's once, once you get past the primaries and you get into the general, then it, that's when they go into attack mode, uh, you know, and start kind of tearing people up. But I'm really looking forward to seeing who, um, you know, where vote vets goes this year. Uh, last year they put their support behind 
Cal Cunningham, I, I requested it. I was like, hey, you know, I'm a veteran. They're like, no, nah, we've already given our support to Cal. <clears throat> and I don't know, most people don't follow North Carolina politics, but, um, you know, he, he ended up going down like a Jody uh, military. <laughs> right? He was uh, sleeping around with uh, some some other people's wives and it came out during the campaign. Um, no, active duty military, not just other people. Um, right. So the, the good old boy went down, um, and, and a ball of flames, but it's really kind of where I picked up some of the veteran support in the state of North Carolina. Um, cause one of the other things that really kind of happened to the veterans in our state was, you know, the border wall was a big deal. Um, Trump wanted to find every penny he could, you know, to kind of help get that wall built. Um, and some of those pennies were actually, uh, from the North Carolina bases that were damaged in, uh, hurricanes. Right. And so I don't know if uh, most people may not know the North Carolina bases, but they should, right. We have, we have Fort Bragg, right. Which is the first response unit pretty much to the world. Uh, I mean, even, even with the recent stuff in Afghanistan that we'll talk about probably here in a little bit, I mean, those 5,000 troops came from, you know, my backyard, um, so not only that, though, we have we have Coast Guard bases, we have Marine Corps, uh, no we have hope, hope. and all of them were damaged in various aspects. And the money that we had to repair them, to repair the bases, to improve the living standards of our veterans and also improve the, the economy and give other people jobs as they're, you know, rebuilding some of this was all thrown to the border wall. Right. So I was mad. Um you know, until us uh, fully supported it. Uh, Cunningham didn't because he was a Democrat anyway. But, you know, with with all our issues with veteran services and whatnot, to take money away from active bases that were working on the, the living condition. Not look, this wasn't this wasn't oh we're going to buy a new tank in Fort Bragg. I mean, this was the living conditions of the people, of the families that are here while these other guys are fighting for, you know, our liberty overseas, it's, we're, they're not taking care of the family members. That's a big deal. Um, so, I mean, I kind of got off track uh, with that. But, I mean, that's one of the things that excites me, uh, you know, running for the U.S. Senate in the state of North Carolina is because I don't feel that when someone says, oh, yeah, I love our vets. I just feel that's like an empty statement. Nobody's really standing out in front of a tank saying, look, I want to make some changes unless, unless they're veterans. Right. And we're starting to get more and more, um, you know, I can care less or I couldn't care less about many of these other issues. Um, you know, cause my issues are that well, we have 50,000 homeless vets, right. People who have, Spent not not north not in the state of North Carolina, but pretty much you know across the country. The, these are all issues that aren't being addressed that should be addressed, and you know, and then people are saying, "Well, we just don't have the money." Well, maybe we would have the money if we weren't off funding billions of dollars every year in these wars that we can't even win. Um, so, without any of the other politics, with veteran services and the lack of services that the VA gives us here in North Carolina. And we've still got the number one VA clinic in the, in the country. Really? Complaining. Yes. In, in Asheville. Um, But we also have Durham, the Raleigh, that not the best, right? So we, we have a very strong veteran community here, mostly army, 
I forgive everyone. Um, you know, being being Navy, but you know, it's the the people that live in my neighborhood are are veterans, right? Former service members. Every day we have flyovers on top of my house. You know, uh, people coming back and forth. You know, from Bragg and some of the other bases. This is the community that I live in, and it you know. Being in Afghanistan, being in the Persian Gulf, you know, being, you know, in, you know, serving the time in the military and meeting the people uh, that actually are our front lines and not taking care of them is the hugest dis- disservice that we could ever have. So that that's my reason. That's 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 my want. <laughs> and now hey, we could probably go with the rest of your agenda. So have you, no, that was great. Have you, uh, have you talked to vote vets again this round and said, Hey, you went with the cheater last time. You want to try a libertarian this round or going to go? Not yet because, you know, I want kind of want to let that go. I don't want to, you know, cause right now everyone's blaming Trump, everybody in the next cycle, blame Biden. Uh, I just want, I just want to blame everyone. Um, <laughs> So I basically want to, you know, pretty much say the Democrats have failed us. The Republicans have failed us. Now let's check out, you know, um, a possible libertarian strategy, especially now with the, 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 the pull out of Afghanistan. Right. Many libertarians will tell you that we shouldn't have been there to begin with. But um, there are there are some that say, hey, look, no, I supported going in, but we stayed way too long. Right. I mean, uh, uh, September 2001, right? We, uh, New York was attacked. We go to war in October, I think, of 2001. November 2001, Al Qaeda's retreating. Uh, the and the, the Taliban, you know, everyone's pulling back. So, a month when after we start, you know, we're better off than we are right now. And the problem is, is we've had 20 years. Um, I've lost a lot of friends. I mean, personal pe- friends that I grew up with, people that I knew. I lost five friends in one day to an IED. Um, uh, and it, and this was a guy I told, I, you know, I, I pretty much talked to him how great the military was. I pretty much dragged him down to MEPS. Um, you know, and that, that stuff sucks. That stuff. You bastard. You should that, never do that to somebody. That, and when well, he died. Right. So now I had to explain that story to his now 18 year old daughter. Well, now she's a little older than that. Um, you know, that that stuff is that stuff haunts me. Right. Um, it, it was it was senseless. Right. Why did he die? He died because he had inadequate uh, military gear. Right. The I the IED blew up under his Humvee, just killed everyone. You would think that a Humvee stuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, and that's where most of our casualties happened, like early on, you know, um, just everyone, um, and, 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 you know, I get, I get the charge, right. Uh, I got out, I wanted to get back in nine 11. I'm like, whoop, yep. No, I was medical, but you know, I'm, I, you know, sign me up. I'm, I want to go, but you know, there was a perversion somewhere in there. Um, and that perversion is why I'm a libertarian, right? Because I was a Republican back then. And I, I, I was part of, you know, not, not intentionally part of the warmongering, you know, where, you know, where 
we're, we're the best war machine ever. You know, you know, the indoctrination as we're going through boot camp or even before in grade school, you know, when you when you pledge the allegiance to the flag and we're all about the nation building and, and um, you know, as it is, it is weird as it sounds with the, the bad as the word is nationalism. Right. As we're actually coming through, everybody wants to not everyone, but, you know, there's those that want to do our part. But when you see what's behind the curtain, right, the political motivation of why we go to war or when you finally understand that it changes everything. Like some of my, um, John McCain was one of my biggest heroes, right? Uh, the, the Bushes, they were my favorite presidents. It is only when you study the history and, you know, what happened inside the, the war machine, inside the politics and stuff. That's when you start to realize, oh my, oh my goodness, there's a lot more going on than we as American people would know unless we're actively looking into it. Um, it it's amazing on how perverse the whole military complex has gotten. We're not there to fight other people's battles. You know, we're, we go, like, we're, we're protecting our country. And ultimately we don't make those sacrifices protecting our country, right? It's the person next to us that we ultimately get in bed with the person next to us. And we care more about them, which is, is how it works. Right. We care more about them than ourselves in so many cases. And it's not it, it becomes more about I just want to get my brothers home yeah. in one piece than anything else. And sometimes we the objectives that we're fighting for get lost to us. And the fact that we just want to get these guys home, you know, they they have kids they've never seen. And the, I mean, it builds that strong brotherhood. And then to see them get screwed or or die under false premises, it just it just pisses me off. I I, I went on another rant. I should just oh. shut up, drink a sip hey, of wine. You're the guest star, man. You go on as many rants as you want. But it is heartbreaking. I saw a really sad meme, um, and it had you know a veteran gravestone, and it had a, a girl kneeling at it, and she said, you know, Dad, about Afghanistan. And it is heartbreaking. All of these veterans are trying to reconcile what these efforts were for right now. But I think, I think that's a really good point. You know what I mean? If you send them over there, they're going to try to get their brothers back. They're going to fight. They're going to do what they have to do to survive. Um, but I think we kind of, as libertarians, especially have to be honest about the big picture and say, look, um, was it in vain? I don't know. Maybe that's not the right way to word it, but was it for a good cause that whole time? I would say probably not, but that doesn't make their sacrifices any less valuable or any less honorable. Well, and then you're talking about the whole time timeline too. Like I do believe at the beginning that there was merit there. Sure. Like, uh, you know, going in and, and, and mud stomping and, and, but it was the other 20 years, right? It was, why did, why, why in 2010 or 2011, was it Obama? I think first said, look, we're going to, we're going to start the, the pullout. Yeah. It, well, 2010. Right. So I was in Afghanistan in 2013. So when I was going on behalf of the State Department, I was I was like, well, we're already we're already windling down. Right. This is going to be an easy trip. And then we've got like the CIA under attack and missiles flying over the Kabul embassy. And and I was like, well, this doesn't sound like a war that we're wrapping up. Uh, But then it's much like one. I was talking to one of the groundskeepers there. 
um, who was who worked for the embassy when we were there before the first time, right? When we were when we were fueling the Afghans against the Russians, and he was like, you know, I took care of the grounds every day after the U.S. forces left. And uh, when 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 you guys came back, you gave me back my job. Uh, that was the only positive thing I heard about it. The other thing I heard is all the shit that we leave behind, all the weapons and munitions and the uh, just everything. Because we don't like right now, you can go to that embassy and I guarantee it's fully stocked of everything. Sure. And we've just evacuated. it. Uh, and I'm not talking about chicken and milk. Right. I'm talking about. Uh, MRAPs and, and rifles and, and machinery. Yeah. Uh, that stuff doesn't that we just leave it behind, and it's like, well, you know, we 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 had a uh, yeah, we uh, we uh, we had to leave in a hurry. Well, yeah. what's the hurry? We've been planning this for a decade, you know, why well, are we- <laughs> and logistically, it's it's usually for a lot of things, like especially when you get into like the vehicle categories and the heavy things. It's usually logistically cheaper to leave them than to transport yeah. them back to America. So that ends up being it's a cost analysis, you know. But, but that's that doesn't make it right. Money right there, just being abandoned. Just so left, here yeah. we have a homeless vet, right? And so let's just let's just assume that we have um, uh, fifty thousand homeless vets. One of those vehicles could pay for a house for each one of those for a year. Exactly. Right, and we've left over fifty of them. Um, that's where our efforts should be. You know, trying to install a new president in Afghanistan is not necessarily in our best interest. Um, I mean, I get why they want to. We want democracy around the world, but I mean, that's a facade anyway. You can't force it at gunpoint. No, I mean, I mean, you know, basically what they're doing. You know, well, let's. And, and then after that comes taxation, right? <laughs> so, uh, it we're not the world's police, nor nor should we. Um, I, I get it. There's terrible things that happen. Um, but it's not up to us to take care of the entire world by ourselves, because no one is taking care of the people who are taking care of everyone else, hmm. right? We we call on our youth to say, "Hey, go to war for us." Uh, blank check, right? You might die. You may not come back. I can guarantee that if you get married, your your wife will leave you. <laughs> will most likely never talk to you. One in three of you are going to come down with a mental illness and probably get suds, PTSD, end up being homeless. Um, you know, um, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to now Go do all the political objectives for some jackass you don't even know about. Hmm. Um, sign in some bill that they don't even understand. And I want you to risk your life. And I want your kids to miss their dad when you don't come home. Yeah. It's the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard. And that's the ticket that we all signed up for. Now, I love my country and I don't regret my service whatsoever. And I'd, I'd do it again. But it's the casualties of war need to be defined to where you know, you have to understand what you're actually fighting for. Don't tell me you're fi- I'm fighting for my freedom when I'm off in some other mud pit. Right. If I'm fighting for my freedom, I'm here. 
right? Um, um, I'm defending my country. I'm not going off looking in some oil fields, you know, and then, you know, and sucking in the secondhand oil field gas that is now killing our veterans, right? I forget what they call um, the black lung stuff of out of uh, the Persian Gulf, but, you know, that, and it, it's, it's just a continuous that you can't tell me now that it wasn't all for oil. Uh, it started out, you know, with merit. And then we went to Iraq. Then, you know, we got shit on our face. Uh, that's all right. We just doubled down in Afghanistan after everything else was taken care of. Then we um, doubled down in Iraq. Then we had yeah, Syria. Doubled back then we Iraq. doubled down in Afghanistan again. So it just, it just never, we overstayed our wealth. Had it ended in 2001, a 2004 or maybe even 2010 when they announced that we should withdraw to begin with, you know, I would probably not be a libertarian. Um, because I'm no longer analyzing the cost of war and, and losing friends. And I mean, it, it's the journey of being a veteran. I think that made me a libertarian understanding the sacrifices of uh, of the people who don't come home or they do come home. Right. And they're amputees uh, or there, there's other, there's other wounds, right. Um, you come back with uh, substance abuse problems, right. Yeah. Uh, I think they call it suds now. Um, PTSD, depression, uh, the list, the list goes on. Right. And what was it? What was it really for? Right. Sure. When it when it comes down to it, you'd be like, oh, no, yeah, you, you fought for our country and stuff. It all sounds great on paper. But what did you really do? You know what? What did you really gain um, from something that's really blowing my mind is, you know, we talk about how there's soldiers who are fighting in Afghanistan right now who weren't even alive in during 9-11. Yeah. But then what's interesting is when you're looking at these Taliban fighters who are sitting in the Kabul and Kandahar, you know, embassies and the bases and stuff. They're young. They're they're like 18, 19, maybe early 20s, but they're young. They probably weren't even alive. So it just goes to show how much of an ideological battle this is. This isn't just defeating a military. This is defeating an idea, and we're clearly losing that battle. Yeah, we're, because it's not a war we belong in. Exactly, and we don't understand it. No. Like all no. the empires who tried before us. It's It's the whole... Putting our nose where it doesn't belong is why we have this war. I mean, when it really comes down to it, and I know we kind of talked about this before, and we all have, uh, but when it really comes down to it, it this is basically a religious war as well. Hmm. How how do you see that? Elaborate well, on that. what is it really about? I mean, we 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 are fighting the Muslims, right? We're not just fighting Al Qaeda. We know this because of the presidential directives that Trump put out, right? It's not a battle against just one. Uh, it, it is, they're going against a whole idea and that yeah. entire idea, whether it's represented right or wrong is still part of a religious sect, sure. right? The, everything that you hear inside the United States about, mosques and muslims and stuff i mean that is a, a religious context so we are at a religious war hmm. i mean there's in my mind that's just the only way cut, cut away the bs it's about money and religion i think 
I think personally, I think it's predominantly about money and the military industrial complex, but, but I definitely see that side of it. I think that it's so easy to villainize people when they're different from you. And you're absolutely right. You know, we have to accept that maybe people in Afghanistan want a caliphate. Maybe they don't want democracy. And clearly if we can fight them for 20 years and uh, still be losing this badly, clearly they've kind of spoken, you know, the voice of the people has kind of spoken against us. Um, now, the one thing I, I do want to, uh, on the, on the, Flip counter of that, though, when I was in Afghanistan, I had the opportunity to sit down with um, some of the Afghan natives, both male and female, uh, and the, the experiences between the two were very different, right? The, huh. the males got to do, you know, every, and the women were very, uh, they were controlled. They, they weren't allowed to do much uh, in, in even, even in their educational standards. Um, so there were, uh, I talked to one mom who had a daughter and her only goal was, was trying to make sure that her service to the embassy, she was trying to get a visa out so that her daughter could grow up in, in the, the educational system of the United States, right? As much as we knock it or whatever, um, you know, women are oppressed there, but it doesn't mean we can fix it. Uh, yeah, not not militarily, at least. No, no. I mean, we can. There, there's so many other things that we can we can do to help. But sending in our military, spending in taxpayer money, and trying to be a dominant force in an area. I mean, we're not talking about you know a, a, we're you're you're talking about a region of the world. Um, I mean, there's a reason why. You know, Iraq. It was was involved in the Afghanistan, and and it, it, because of the whole religious aspect to to everything in there, um, it to to me is a continuation of fighting over the Holy Land. You, I mean, this what, is I the mean, Crusades, modern Crusades. Yeah. Huh. I kind of see that. I also think you know. I think Bush Jr. kind of had an agenda himself. Um, We've got a really good comment. I don't want to change the subject too abruptly, but this is a really good question. So what is your stance on employer mandates? Since we talked about this before the show too, have you attended the protest throughout North Carolina the past few weeks? Excellent question. I, I would love to be against, well, I'm personally against employer mandates, but uh, that doesn't mean that if my current employer mandated me that I wouldn't consider it uh, because it's not violating my constitutional rights. Um, that is the right of their, their, um, of that particular company. Now I'm of the firm believer of my VAC status is my, my right. But I have told my, my employer that, um, that my, my family has chosen not to be vaccinated yet for a number of reasons. Um, you know, we, I have a, a, a stepson who my wife believes was, a. a, a you know, ended up on the autism spectrum off of vaccine injury. So we're very cautious of, of things. And I've waited primarily for, for support for her, but it doesn't matter what our reasons are. Sure. You know, right. That is, that is our particular uh, right. And so I, I plan on working from home the rest of my adult career life, unless I get elected and I'm going to, uh, to Washington, but by and large, 
I, I'm, a, I'm opposed to it, but there's nothing wrong with an employer saying that, you know, the employees for, for them to, to mandate it, because that's your choice to either work there or not work there. Um, I think it's shitty, but I, you know, I, you got to be able to draw a line somewhere. You can't give the power strictly to the employees versus the employer. It, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work out there. Uh, but no, I have not attended any of the, the rallies uh, here in North Carolina yet. So let's talk along those lines about what's happening in North Carolina statewide as far as mandates go. What's going on there? So uh, last week, uh, Durham uh, County, which is the one next to me, uh, went under forced uh, mass requirements. Uh, Raleigh followed suit. I live in Holly Springs uh, in, uh, in the Apex area. Both towns, their mayors pushed back saying that they weren't going to enforce the mass mandates because the, the level of the coronavirus was so low here that they didn't hmm. feel like it was warranted. Um, but schools, uh, we kicked off school today for our charter schools. Um, Wake County, uh, you know, starts Monday. Um, all, all the kids are going in masks. Um, so I'm, I, I wish that I could push back against that, but there's, uh, we don't, we don't really have a choice with the school systems here. So the kids are, you know, going to have to mask up for that. Does, do the school boards mandate that individually, or is that something from the state coming down? I think that is done on the county basis, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, my in-laws, my wife used to be a school teacher for Wake County, uh, but her, her her sister and her sister's husband and then her, her mom were all teachers inside Wake County. Um, so, you know, I, I get the teacher perspective quite a lot. Um, both the solicited and the unsolicited versions. Um, um, so, but I also hear about, you know, where, you know, when things are uh, being voted in and, uh, and, and whatnot. So I kind of hear some of the things that are going to affect our school systems earlier than most people. Uh, and it just doesn't look, I mean, we, we had remote learning. There was a fixed number of seats we elected not to do it. I have a daughter who didn't do very well last year. Um, I, she needs to have her butt in her seat. Um, I would prefer <laughs> her do it without a mask. Um, sure. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, if if they offered to keep the kids home in, in replace of that, I think we would probably take it up for two. But one of our kids just has to have that in-person experience and sure. successful so it's it's really kind of screwed up um especially right when they're you know everyone gets their shots and then and then every you know then we don't have to worry about it we we passed you know herd immunity but i this is another thing where i think the numbers are being kind of perverse through you know throughout now it's like just a huge push for for vaccinations, but they don't really even quite understand the Delta variant sure. uh, quite yet. Now they're saying people can be vaccinated and still catch it or still spread it or both. Yeah. Um, virus twice. And so, I mean, you know, to have a mandate to kind of go back to the other question too, you know, to have a mandate when a, it's not been FDA approved yet, right. It was an emergency FDA approval, uh, which is very different 
than an actual FDA approval. Um, in fact, the U.S. military, right? They were they were looking to to force this. I don't really know where that's let down um, because it was like the end of last week I was reading it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they had gone to the point that where they were going to allow people who chose not to vaccinate to to leave service or not. But that's kind of where they were in discussion of forced vaccinations as well. Hmm. Um, but you had a cruise ship, right? Everyone had a vax card and they still had coronavirus breakout. Sure, of course. Well, I mean, where's the real science on on, on it? I mean, I, I I get it. I you know, if you get the flu vaccine, you get the chicken pox, you get all that stuff. But don't tell me this is going to be like the the all be all, and you're going to all be all, yeah. Stuff, and then it's all just bullshit. Man. Absolutely, no. If we just keep listening to them a little bit longer, it'll all be fine for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, it'll you know, it, it's just you know, oh well, nothing is straight. I can take any any audio feedback from anyone two months ago and replay it. And it's a huge contradiction and they're still going to put science in the, in the sentence. It, that's not the way science works. Science <laughs> doesn't true. change this week. And maybe I don't know. Um, I was, I'm working on a PhD, so I do a lot of research. What um, in? <laughs> so, what are you studying? Uh, computer science. I'm actually working on, I'm kind of torn. I was working on uh, an offensive uh, cyber weapon versus election security. I'm still having to pick my discipline. For your thesis? Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Ooh. So, Those are both really good thesis. That's well, cool. as a libertarian, I kind of felt like I should work on voter security. <laughs> There's just something badass. You know, I still have the guy who got me into the Navy, you know, deep down inside. Yeah, I mean, hey, there's nothing libertarians don't disagree with weapons. We just disagree with using them unnecessarily. That's, that's different. true. That's true. I would rather have the biggest, baddest weapon. Yep, that, that's what we go. We'll go the libertarian version of a of a virus. Okay. Um, so, Shannon, since since this is not a real veteran and we skipped over this, let's talk about your service. What did you do in the Navy? Oh, man. So, I started out in the nuclear propulsion program. Um <laughs> Well, let me, let me skip. So when, when I was in eighth grade, I ended up skipping a grade. I graduated uh, high school, like at 16, went to college, uh, out of state in Texas, uh, got straight A's and then I got straight F's. (laughs) Um, I stopped going to school, got involved in the wrong people. This is our, you know, uh, late eighties, uh, a lot of cocaine. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> just, you know, just the BGs, you know, living life. Uh, but, you know, I kind of got myself in a pickle. Uh, not legally. Uh, these people are a little bit more scarier. Um, but so then I, I joined the Navy. Uh, and, you know, the Navy looked at my ASVAB scores and all of that and said, oh, man, you, you should be in the nuclear propulsion program. So I was like, oh, that sounds great. So I did that, uh, started out, went to nuke school. Um, uh, my brother died during, during that. So I had to take a, I had to take off, uh, two weeks. But when I got back, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't catch back up. My section advisor hated me. Um, I was pretty much a, uh, you know, a smart ass little kid at the time. But so I ended up being kicked out of nuke school. I found my way into the Navy dive program, um, uh, became a Navy diver, went to sub school, 
um, spent my entire Navy career pretty much underwater. Um, so I'm dive qualified. I'm subsurface qualified. Uh, and I've been all around the world and never seen much of it. So hmm. interesting. Seen a are lot of a, uh, every a shellback. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Shellback. Yeah. I, I have my, I have my shellback as well. Huh? Okay. Yeah. You get, whether you're crossing various timelines or equators and on patrols, you get, you get various uh, accolades, I guess. I'm going to kick Braxton out and bring him back on, but I want to give him a chance to ask you a question because he's kind of been behind us with his, uh, with his Wi-Fi. Let's give him a shot. Hold on. Hey, you with us, bud? Yeah, what's up? Hey, I just want to see if you had any questions for Shannon since I'm not giving you a chance to ask anything. Well, man, there's some, and, uh, it doesn't apply directly since he's not currently served. But how do you feel about members of Congress in the Guard? Uh, I'm thinking of Will's here, Tulsi Gabbard, serving on like, military action committees. Do you see that as being sort of like a conflict of interest? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to need you to repeat that. That kind of broke so, up a little bit. So Tulsi Gabbard serving on like military boards or – yeah, so basically, do you think that people who are in the Guard should be able to serve in Congress and then be on, you know, military boards and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, because um, I, I mentioned earlier the five friends that I had that died, and I, I they, they were all in the Guard. Um, I, you know, before, before Afghanistan, right, we, we used to, I, I don't know, we always classify different units or, you know, branches and, and whatnot, um, you know, the Coast Guard used to be puddle pirates and maybe they still are. I mean, I don't know, but I've since, you know, spent 10 years working with the Coast Guard and I, and I no longer crack Coast Guard, <laughs> Coast Guard jokes. Well, now but, we have the Space uh, Force. We don't need to. That's right. We got Space Force. <laughs> Who, by the way, I have never served with any member of the Space Force, but uh, uh, so I don't know if they're real or not. <laughs> Guardians. Good gosh. <laughs> God help yeah, Air Force is no longer my go-to joke. Um, Better not be. <laughs> well, in the Navy, it was typically the Coast Guard anyway. But as I said, I... Um, well, for us, it's the Navy. So right back at you. <laughs> right. Well, and you always got the Army-Navy thing. But no, you know, going back to the, the Guard, uh, to me, it... I, I just didn't quite understand. Uh, I, I have no problem with that. So what about um, members of Congress serving in the Guard, though, and then being on, like, military subcommittees that are making decisions for what the military does simultaneously being service members? Yeah, I, I mean, I see that. Um, but, I mean, even if I get elected to the Senate, it doesn't mean I have to quit my job. I can still be a cybersecurity expert. And there's so many other people that are serving because they don't have to serve all year. When I was first looking into running for the Senate, I was starting to research other people who maintain – both that career and their their existing career. A lot of them were farmers, um, right? And they didn't necessarily leave work. Me, I, I would most likely try not to leave work. This is, you know, being in the IT space and the cybersecurity space, this is where my passion is. Um, but also making sure that Americans are safe and we're having smart cybersecurity policies and all that is important too. So I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to have representatives 
that are doing day-to-day jobs, whether they're in the guard or not. So I, I, I personally support that. Okay. I, I get, but I get that other point of view to where it, it, it might kind of feel like, uh, you, you know, you kind of tip in the scales or whatever, but you, they, the thing that I'm re- trying to remember is our representatives aren't, aren't great people. They're just people that we have elected to represent us. Um, so they're no better or worse than anybody listening to the podcast here. We just expect them to make better decisions than other people that we might elect. Uh, I think her spending time in the guard would help her actually make more positive decisions for, for, for veterans and stuff. I don't know about her active career, you know, and you know, if she went in theater anywhere. Um, but you know, by and large, um, I like her a lot. She's been the only Democrat that, you know, I can, I can kind of, you know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't hate if they got elected, I guess. Uh, yeah. I used to like Dennis Kucinic back in the day, but he's, he's history now, but did you guys catch the video of her that she put out though that, on Afghanistan recently? Uh, uh-uh, I didn't see it. Oh, it's fire. I'm almost tempted to play it, but it'll take two minutes, but uh, look it up. Tulsi Gabbard on Afghanistan. It's a great monologue. Um, it, it's fire. So she's, she seems to be coming out as even more and more libertarian as time goes on. And since she's kind of inactive in politics right now, I feel like she's, she's looking at us differently. Yeah. She, look, I, I'm a huge fan of hers. Um, I mean, there's, there's obviously some lines there that or her and I don't agree on, but by and large, I could, I could support her, you know, as, as a candidate, uh, be, and I think a lot of that is because of her, veteran service right um without that i I don't think she's near as qualified as she is connie says no she says just (laughs) say no look connie she's an anti-war democrat we need her even if we don't agree with everything even if she's slightly a socialist i still appreciate her anti-war sentiments very much no i'm not saying that i'm gonna turn around and vote for her i'm just saying i appreciate her (laughs) <laughs> but I definitely Great from Tulsi. She's still not a libertarian. Connie's <laughs> correct. Connie's right. You're right, mom. On on this podcast, calling her not a libertarian, I don't know if it's good. Nobody's a real libertarian, so it's <laughs> fine. It's perfect. Be like she is a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the issue that veterans love most since we brought it up already beforehand. Let's talk about the VA. So what would you oh, do yeah. in North Carolina um, if you were representing North Carolina on the federal level, how would you ad- advocate for vets in North Carolina? Well, uh, so we have a, a mixed community here. So in Asheville, North Carolina, which is about four hours uh, east of me on the border of Tennessee, we have the number one ranked, at least it was last year when I looked it up, uh, VA hospital um, in the in the country. Then we're also followed by, then we have the triangle, right? We have uh, Durham, uh, Raleigh, and Fayetteville. Fayetteville is, you know, where we have Fort Bragg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have a much, much lower score there um, to, to the point to where it, it, it's almost a disservice, right? So there's a lot of issues with, with the VA that really can't be the, the best thing I could do is not only be a squeaky wheel, 
but to grab people and be like, look, this is what we have to do. And I need to get your signature. Right. Because it is, it is absolute bullshit that we have 22 a day. Right. And many being inside VA parking lots yeah. right, commit suicide because they can't get the neat, the, 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 the medicine they need or the help they need, or the, you know, the diagnosis they need, or, uh, I had a friend who was a police officer here in a uh, a local PD who had to take time off of work to have a service-connected disability fix, and he had to take time of work because the VA couldn't do it, and he exercised a new program that Trump had put in. But Community because care, yeah. that wasn't done that way, he, as a police officer, had to take vacation for a medical th- So people have been trying. But it has still been failing, right? Trump tried, but it wasn't all the way through. People see it on the surface level and be like, oh, yeah, you love the vets. And no, no, because if you love the vets, you know, follow through the program. Damn right. I'm sure everybody's being taken care of. That shit's never happening. People are getting credit for being vet friendly and they haven't done a goddamn thing. Huh. Um, What's up? Really, all I'm going to do is follow suit on veteran issues and cybersecurity issues and whether or not you you care about this or that over there i don't care because it's i don't want to fund it anyway um that's pretty much where i'm at in my life okay hell yeah well braxton any more questions for shannon hey hey bootleg has a question (laughs) for you I already regret putting this comment up, but whatever. Why is Shannon's reason for the Army being a bit? No. I, I mean, I'm Navy, right? So even when it comes down to the Navy-Army game in December, I'm all I'm all Navy. Bootleg was a freaking MP. I don't even know why he's commenting on this crap. But he's I got to say, you have to say, most of my friends uh, being being in the Fort Bragg area are, are Army. And, you know, many have retired out of the Special Forces – because that's the community that we live in, right? Fort Bragg is, you know, the response unit, as you guys just saw, right? As we're sending 5,000 more troops to Afghanistan. <laughs> um, so a little shout out to my brothers at Bragg who are handling our business. Hell yeah. Well, anything else you want to say on behalf of your campaign, why we should vote for you? No, I mean, other than that, I, you know, I, I kind of shoot from the hip. Um, you veteran issues are important to me, but it's not just because it's not just rhetoric, right? It's because of the people who I've connected with over the years and whether or not, you know, they're, they're still with us or not. It's important that their families are taken care of for the sacrifices they make. Um, and that we just take care of the people who've taken care of us. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm pretty much libertarian down to the core. I, I, I just, I'm tired of seeing the endless wars. I want to bring everyone home. Um, and, you know, the best thing that we can do for the vet community is to reduce it. Uh, you know, make sure that we have, you know, people who aren't suffering from PTSD and uh, SUDs and homelessness and, and whatnot. So, you know, that that's really what I'm about. Uh, anyone who wants to reach out, I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at Shannon Bray NC. Uh, I'm a pretty easy Google search. There's like 30 Shannon Brays, but uh, I'm one of two guys. <laughs> the other guy lives in North Carolina too, and he's not online. So 
he gets a lot of my hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> that works out for you. But uh, you know, I I appreciate I appreciate uh, you guys for you know having having the veteran stance and having. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to listen to a lot of your other uh, guests that you had, and and that it I I love your guys' mission. It, it's absolutely amazing. So I appreciate you guys. Absolutely appreciate you, Shannon. Thanks for being on here talking about these issues. And uh, thanks for running as a libertarian and championing this cause and being part of this movement. So uh, we will see you again. I'm sure this is not a goodbye, but thanks again for being part of this. Sounds great. Love you all. Talk to you later. See you later, man. All right, guys. There you have it. That is Shannon Bray. Please look him up at Shannon Bray for U.S. No, I'm sorry. ShannonBray.us. Please look him up. Follow him. Support his campaign. Shannon Bray for North Carolina. There you go. Thank you, Connie. And uh, as always, guys, there's no such thing as a real libertarian. Please follow the Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus. We just surpassed 3,000 follows and likes. Uh, Braxton seems to be mostly frozen right now. You got anything to say, brother? Um, man, I suppose not. Thank See you next time. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Remember, there's no such thing as a real libertarian.